This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 578 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Total Saddle Fit. On this week's episode, we will be joined by Patty Mayer for a big discussion on Intermediate One, as well as having a great trainer tip from personal trainer Emily Green. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. Hello, Reese. Haven't talked I to you in a couple you. of weeks. I know I missed you last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. were on a little bit of a vacation and I was yeah. doing nothing as usual, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went on I did I did on a socially distant little vacation with my family, which was much needed. It was nice to get off the farm. Um we were we rented a house and we were very safe and and it, and I felt like it was okay to go and it was nice. I needed a little getaway and because I live where I work and so it was nice to have a little holiday and just okay. just I read some books and listened to some podcasts and did some walk-in, lots of walk-in actually on the beach. And it was really nice. So yeah, it was good. How, how about, how about listening to your, to your audio book? So Phil, I did listen to my audio book. I'm not quite done with it yet, but I had quite a long drive. Uh, so it was actually really, really good. It's an audio book, which is brain training for the rider. And it's by Andrea Waldo. And uh, you can get the book at horseandriderbooks.com. And uh, it's really easy because I'm not the best with computers, as we all know. But it's really easy to download it. It's very easy to listen to. And it's great. It's a fantastic book. And for me, for my own issues, but also working with students on fear and, and how you you uh, create positive energy, it's, it's, it's been really good so far. Have you been able to listen? No, my plan. So I have a big long drive to do this weekend. So uh, I'm looking forward to to listening to the book this weekend, and mm-hmm. uh, I'll get right to okay. it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's great. It's it's a really cool part, and I hope everyone is enjoying the book club. We wanted to mix it up a little bit this week or this month, excuse me, and and go with with an audio book. We've never done that before. So Phil, I feel like we're getting so technology savvy. Or <laughs> We're not well, t- I think yeah. it's pretty easy for our, our for our podcast listeners to understand how, how to download <laughs> Much easier than me. an audio book. So we thought the listeners would would enjoy that, you know, as a as a bit of a change of pace. I love it. Well, so we hope everybody enjoys it. It's also information's on the Facebook page, so you can grab it there as well. So we hope you enjoy the book. But yeah, it's it's been an interesting week. We are recording on it is Thursday evening, and as of this week, the U.S. Pony Finals have been canceled here in Kentucky. All the major uh, hunter championships that were being hosted here in Lexington have been canceled. Also, the today the American Eventing Championships were canceled. So. Um, as well it, as it uh, Equitana, I think, right? And Equitana was canceled. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Equitana, Equitana is going well. going virtual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so it's kind of a, a sad sad week, but uh, actually here in Kentucky, we're, we're today maybe we have plateaued our numbers, but 
we've not been in the great greatest state. So our state is actually fairly shut down. Thankfully, again, I think all of us are feeling this way. We're able to ride and we're able to, to host socially distant lessons. So everyone's having a good time and, and, and we're training hard here. It'll be interesting to see. We have a horse show at the horse park in September. If that will happen, we're not sure yet. So we're just moving along, but we're all training really hard. And, and it, but, but I think everyone is just enjoying their horses. So uh, how are you guys doing, Phil? Yeah, I think, I think that's a little bit, you know, kind of the same sentiment. You know, I, personally, I've been a little bit struggling the last couple of weeks. I think just because, you know, it's summer and like for for as long as I can remember, summer means horse showing, you know, and being, you know, intensely training towards competition. And, you know, now, in, now into August, I would have already been showing for a few months. And so I'm just, just kind of missing it, you know, really yeah. just kind of missing it and just struggling with you know like i'm people who know me or have had a lesson with me i mean like i'm i'm a pretty intense trainer you know there's all yeah. kinds like all kinds of purposeful riding you know that i'm doing and then you know sort of without without the horse shows without competition it's a little bit trying to find the balance of staying motivated to keep improving the horses and and keep training fairly intensely without having, you know, uh, a date to be working towards or, you know, a horse show to to know like, okay, on August 16th, I have to be ready to, to, do, to do a show. So that's been a bit, you know, a bit of a, a personal struggle for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, now that the summer, you know, this is sort of the second half of the summer kind of, you know, looking towards, well, here comes the fall, which I would normally let the horses down a little bit, right? And then mm-hmm. and then going into winter where I'd be making plans and working towards the next set of goals. It's just been, yeah. it's been a little bit hard. It's, it's, it's a sure. di- really different thing because, you know, how am I going to set new goals when I didn't achieve the ones that maybe I had planned out for this, for this year? Sure. I haven't been achieving, you know, and I'm yeah. used to summertime achieving, you know, figuring out where the horses are for, you know, riding tests and, and doing all those. So, yeah. So the, the owner of, of the, of the farm I work at and who owns most of the horses, we had a good idea. We're going to, what we're going to do is doing dress rehearsal horse show at our Love farm. It. Love it. For, you know, the th- three or four horses were, which we had planned to have been going to horse shows. We're going to get them ready. We're going to braid, we're going to get dressed and we're having a judge come over a friend judge but you know, gonna yeah, have her come judge. over and just judge yeah. us writing tests. That that was Love her it. idea. I was like, yeah, oh, that's, that's a good a idea. Good Let's idea. do it. So it's that gonna, is a it's, great idea. It's not a real horse show, but we're gonna treat it like a real horse show. Like we're gonna warm up, and then you're gonna just we're gonna go in and and, and ride our tests and do a mock horse show on the farm. I love that, Phil. That's a great. I mean, I think that that's a real honest. It's very honest. You know, I think we're all kind of feeling that way. My business partner also was like, when are you going to show? And I was like, you know, I don't know. I I truly don't know. I don't know. I think we're all that way. Like what's going to happen in the U.S. in the fall? Thankfully, we've obviously been able to show. And I feel locally I have been safe and, and, and was fine to haul into the horse show. But I, I'm not comfortable staying in a hotel right now. I'm not comfortable crossing state lines. So that gives us one venue and, and I don't feel like the footing is 
perfect there. And so that brings some other issues with some other horses. And so it's, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard. It's also with that horse is to say, gosh, I would really like to be out there and, and doing it, but it's too risky on many levels. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's the same, you know, I think that's where, you know, you can get creative. I'm just thinking, gosh, I need to video the Grand Prix and send it to Phil and, uh, you know, use your friends and, and lean yeah. on, yeah, on, on ideas. people. You know, I think that's, also that's what we're trying to do just, you know, be yeah. creative, but you know, yeah. for it's, I, I really feel like it's a, it's a mental health thing. Yeah, sure. Because I, you know, I honestly don't know how to not train with a certain level of intensity. Mm-hmm. That's true. It's, it's hard I, because. Yeah. So, you know, if uh, I'm intensely training, but there's no real. Nowhere to go. Go. Like, mm-hmm. you know, what is that? That's, that's, that's really tough. It has been anyway. So. Yeah, I think, I think, again, you know, one of the things we've all enjoyed about this podcast is we've created a really fun community. So send us your ideas. What are you guys doing to stay motivated? I think that's, I mean, that's a question between all of us professional riders and friends. That's what we're talking about all the time is how do you keep people motivated? How do you keep ourselves motivated? How do you keep our horses in top fitness when there's no real you know, I think our, our, you know, nothing's been canceled. I don't want to start any rumors, but you know, it's hard to know. Well, we have regional finals. Our region five got canceled today. So, you know, will the other regionals continue? I, I think we don't know. And so I think that's, let's do that. Like, I feel, I love the idea of a mock show. That's awesome. That's a that, great I idea. Think actually, the idea came from uh, Jan, Young Abling. Yeah. Somewhere somehow that he he had said that that's what something he does to prepare for horse shows before he before he ever goes out is to have a mock one at home and uh, we just like the idea so much we're gonna just institute it and uh, and we're just gonna do it. So cool, great idea. I love that. I love right. that. That's really good. And just some other news that happened this week. Um, Casey Perry Glass did announce that she is retiring Dublay. He was her partner for the World Equestrian Games. We saw her there, and she had an amazing yeah. ride. Yeah, Rio, the Olympics. yeah, the Olympics. Part of that, that bronze medal team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fantastic so partnership, wonderful fantastic. partnership. Yeah, and you know she she announced it kind of at the same time that she I'm sure she was hoping she'd be going down the center line in Tokyo, and obviously that didn't happen this year. And you know I thought that was really cool, and I think that's always the question for all of us: when when do you retire your your horse and and your heart horse? It's so hard. But I think she said, you know, she I I, I read somewhere that you know she it was just time. She knew she couldn't keep that level of intensity up. And I thought that that was, that, that was really cool. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's fair, fair for the horse. Fair. And mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's, that's what we all hope to be able to do is, yeah. is retire when they're on t- the top of their game. And, mm-hmm. and, and really, I, you know, at the, at that point, you know, your horse and you know, you know, that maybe you're not going to put them through another season or, or that they've right. given you everything that they ever needed to. I remember when it was so emotional when Charlotte <laughs> retired Vallegro and everybody's like, well, he's at the top of his game. You can, and then she's just like, I don't, the horse has done everything. Yeah. What does he need to prove? Or what do? does he need to prove? What does he need to do? I think that's just, you know, really, really shows a uh, compassion how the riders yeah. have compassion for the horses and yeah. and the horses are not machines. So 
it's commendable. It is commendable. I think it's just something to always think about when you have that horse and you know, I, I think every horse I've retired, you kind of know, and, and she, you know, going another year and getting ready for Tokyo, that's a whole nother, another situation and, and issue. So I was really thankful that that came through, through and, and that she was able to, to retire him. So that was a, that was a good thing for sure. So, well, I think yeah. Reese, we should probably get to the show. We have a little bit I of a, know, different, a, great a show. different format for the for mm-hmm. this week. So we did a a recording with Patty Mayer as we've been doing, you know, now and again for the last few months, actually, since quarantine started for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And then we had her on. We recorded this last week, but we had her on to talk about the intermediate two. No, sorry, intermediate one. That's and right. it ended up being such a long, <laughs> interesting discussion that we decided we we're just going to dedicate this show to it. Yep. To, to where it's going to be, it's going to, it's so, it was so long. We're going to break it up into two pieces uh, for this show. And we, I, I know I really enjoyed this, this discussion. It's such a really interesting test, you know? So, and so we decided that, that we're just going to, just going to have a show of talking about the intermediate one. Intermediate one. I love it. Well, we hope you enjoy it. And uh, there will be a commercial break in the middle, but we hope you enjoy our discussion. Well, back by popular demand and a segment that we are getting so many comments about that everyone's loving it. We are happy to have Patty Mayer, international rider and trainer back on the show. Patty, welcome. Thank you. It's been so much fun. It is so much fun. I'm sort of Getting sad that we're getting like way up in FEI now. I know we're way up in FEI. So for people that don't know what's been going on, we've been Patty's been coming on pretty much during COVID. There's been a lot of COVID discussions because normally we can't get her, and we're so happy to get her. And we had a listener question early on to basically go through all of the levels as trainers and what are some pitfalls that we find at each level. So you can carry on with these segments. This is we're now up to intermediate one. We're getting up there. So Patty, yeah. welcome and get us started with intermediate one. Wait, 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 oh. wait. No. Yes, sir, Phil. Before we get to the dressage stuff, mm. I want to know, uh-huh. Patty, what's on the fruit stand today? Yes. Good ah, point. good question. <laughs> okay. So one of <laughs> so one of my neighbors has a pear tree. So for a couple of days, we've been full of pears. And in my sink, I have a bunch of apples. I'm sure going to go out there. But you know what? It's getting, it is getting to be, now here's obscure, it's getting to be quince season. I bet I'm the only person you know who has two quince trees. <laughs> Talk to us about quince. Well, for for everybody that doesn't know, Patty has an amazing fruit stand, and it's and, and it's on Facebook all the time. So and it's it's amazing the produce that is coming off your farm. So so tell us <laughs> yeah. what quince. My what is farm quince? being a little bit under a little bit under two acres, mostly consisting of a dressage arena. Um, so. <laughs> so that's why I've been so, to your farm and it's absolutely gorgeous. But I'm like, how do you have all these vegetables? It's amazing. You're like feeding the neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So what? I, yeah. So what happens is, I put out a little, you know, free fruit stand on the, you know, at the top of my driveway. The people are walking their dogs or, you know, jogging or whatever during COVID, and just pick up fruit and or veg or whatever I happen to have. So often it's, you know, squash, like lots of it, or zucchini, <laughs> or when you know when I have when I have artichokes, like you know, four hundred artichokes, and so it works out really well and. I happened for odd for reasons I don't quite remember. I happened to have two quince trees, and that's they are looking like they're getting. Well, I'm guessing I have another month. They quince is an ancient fruit. You could have, you could have 
cooked quince in ancient Rome. And it's, it looks like a hard, fuzzy apple. And to, to cook it, you have to peel it. Well, you, know, with a, you peel it like you would a carrot, right? You peel it with a peeler. And then you cook it in a little bit of syrup, and it turns pink. Oh. And people will often eat quince paste with, like, very fancy cheeses. And mm. it's just, it is just an amazing fruit. And I, I, I must have just, I mean, I clearly bought two trees without realizing I had the first. Because it's not something <laughs> like, oh, wow, I need, like, a million quince. Um, <laughs> but there you go. So at the moment, we're at apples and pears. The nectarines have gone. The peaches have gone. I'm in between artichokes. Have you know? And oh, the other nice thing is in my neighborhood there are a bunch of people who grow avocados. Some you know really have avocado groves, and the ones that they can't sell to stores seem to appear on the fruit stand. Oh, I love it! People are putting fruit on the fruit stand. That's so. People are putting fruit on the fruit stand, which is so nice. (laughs) So so nice. (laughs) (laughs) So which is good. It's like the pears aren't mine either. But you know, one of my neighbors. In check. That's so you know, awesome. It's like, it's like, I have a lot of pears. Can I bring them up? Like, awesome. Of <laughs> course you can. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Yes. I think yes. we all In need about- to be having more fruit stands. This is pretty amazing. I love it. Yeah. It's really fun. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And because of COVID, right, people are, you know, walking, walking in the neighborhood more. And, you know, yeah. I have, I live in a kind of semi-suburban, semi-rural place. So everyone has, you know, kind of somewhere between one and five acres. But it's not like people are on, you know, giant farms or something. But, you know, some people, you know, walk their dogs and ride their bikes and stroll their kids and, you know, and teenagers come out and cause trouble, as teenagers do. So there you go. <laughs> We're not talking about it. You met me when I was a teenager, but I was perfect, of course. I did. You were. You were. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. For, that's actually how Patty and I met. We've not talked about it. Patty and I trained at Conrad Schumacher's together, and she really was a lifesaver to me. And this was many, many years ago. So we've been friends for many years. <laughs> So, and we have lots of stories in which we won't share on air air. and blushing a little, but back to intermediary. Now we can can get into it. Now we can blushing. So I'm nervous. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous. So uh, talk to us about intermediary one. Okay. So we're talking about, let's, let's talk about a few things that are either a little bit different or we should talk about how to make them a little better uh, between like, you know, fourth and St. George and I won. So I think the first thing is, the entry, which is again from the canter into a halt. And I have to say, I just think that rides super differently than if you're trotting in and halting. I think we should for sure talk about the shoulder ends on the center line, which yes. have a tendency to look a little bit, you know, inebriated. Not quite sober. I think we should for sure talk about the rain back mm-hmm. and, and the size of the volte. And then I think we should talk about counting changes. Oh, and the fact that the pirouettes are full pirouettes. Does that kind yeah. of, that seems like a lot, but that seems like, like, uh, a yeah, good, I mean, that's uh, crazy. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, one of the hardest things in, in this test that I think people. The left hand turn from the collected walk to the extended walk. <laughs> yeah. I uh, know the, the zigzag. Yes. Oh, okay. Very yes. Yes. St. George zigzag. That, mm, this is a real, yeah. a real this thing. This is a real zig and a zag. Okay, yeah. that, makes that, sense. that causes yeah. a lot of trouble. I mean, there's a lot in here that can potentially yeah. cause a lot of trouble. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and we're talking about it from a trainer's perspective, but I think also with this one, we should talk about it a little bit from a showmanship perspective. Does that make sense? Sure. There's a lot of that. Yeah, okay. there's, a lot of, there's a lot of strategy depending mm-hmm. on, on your horse. I mean, this is, this is really, you got to ride this test. Yeah. It's yeah, not going to, sure. it's not coming to you. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. So should we start with the entry and then kind of wander yeah. through in start a, in a chronological way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So here's, again, this is a little bit going to be about training and a little bit going to be about showmanship. When you enter at the canter, figure out which horse your lead is, which lead your horse is straighter on. And especially since you now have a horse that does flying changes, which lead they are less likely to swap in. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's true. Because yeah, don't you think you should have done this already? Like, I think it, mm-hmm. you know, you should have done early it on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's some magical not rule that people are like, Oh, I turn left. I have to start left. And it's like, or whatever direction. No, no, it's no. like, no, 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 no. You're going to halt. <laughs> and then you can decide which direction you're going. <laughs> enter. However, you're going to be straighter. I think that's in general with showing yeah. though, not just yeah, now. I, I mean, it becomes very important at this level, but in general, mm-hmm. like you should have already kind of figured that out in a way. So sorry about right. that. That because no, center lines totally right. don't lose points. It's kind of my pet peeve. Like there's no reason to not get a, get a seven five eight on a center line. Right. There is That's literally right. just something that you pra- that it's just practice. Yeah, in my opinion. yeah. I was kicking myself recently because I realized I had let my center lines just kind of go to pot, and so I've actually been working on them. Because like, why aren't you at a seven eight nine on a you know, yeah, an eight nine on a, on a central line because like how hard is that? And the answer is, well, I haven't practiced it. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> other part of the hall, other than you know, obviously you have to be square, don't step back, blah blah blah. Uh, by this level, they better be blasting out from the halt to a trot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so whether you you know whether you train them so that you cluck a little under your breath, whether you train them that you take your leg away, whether you, you know, they should know that from that square, attentive, calm halt. They go straight into the trot. And I mean, straight like you're staring at the judge trotting straight to the judge. <laughs> so I think, so for me, that's kind of, again, trying to pra- that you can practice at home. And Reese, I'm with you. I mean, like, that's something that we, none of us should have, an, have a, we should all be doing good halts. Like, we, that's right. amazing <laughs> that we practice and get better yeah. at. Yeah. So I think the next thing is let's talk about the center line shoulder in. And again, for me, you know, you're coming down the center line at A. You start the shoulder in at D, right? So you shouldn't just slam the horse over and shove their haunches to the outside of the center line. You should establish that. And again, this is more showmanship. Establish that you can be straight on the center line. And to be a rock star, you then dance the shoulder over to the right. Yes. Right? You don't just come around the corner and wheel around. And I think that's what makes it look beautiful. Um, and the haunches me, are on the center line, right? Not the punches sh- are on the center yes. line, not your, not your knee, not the horse's shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> and with luck, they should stay there. I mean, the concept should be that the center line is the outside rail. Mm-hmm. And, and again, that's what, if you have a mirror on the short side, oh my gosh, that helps when you practice this. The Volte, you know, eight meters, not six, not 10, eight. And like easy place to add points. Yeah. Easy place to lose points by just being a little inaccurate. Obviously, half passes we've all talked about. Do we want to talk about a rain back or shall we? Yes. Or shall yeah, we? Because rain back. Okay. Rain back. Oh, boy. Rain back. Five steps, which is actually a fair number of steps. Mm-hmm. So halt. So a reminder, this is what it says. Halt immobility. Then, they don't say then, I'm saying then. Then rain back five steps and immediately proceed collected trust. So... Mm-hmm. To me, this is trainable in the following ways. Obviously, horses 
you know, obviously you have to have a beautiful square halt. Sometimes they do grow roots, right? You've halted and the horse is like, thank you so much. And this is where I will be standing for some time. Um, so I think that you do need to, to figure out a way to warn your horse that you're about to do a rein back, not just pulling on the reins, right? And for me, what I've been taught always is you lighten your seat. That's not tipping forward in a two point, but you lighten your seat slightly. And you, again, remember a rein back is a forward movement. I mean, I, it's obviously not, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you mm-hmm. use more leg than hand. You shouldn't just be, you know, it, this isn't, this isn't, you know, Gymkhana, right? So you should be reining back into contact in a way that makes the horse feel, feel like they are not trapped and not being punished. They should be taking large steps. Again, that is something you can school. I, and we should talk about that in a moment. And then they should be, you should have an aid that get, goes from the rein back to the trot. For me, it's instead of being slightly in the lighter seat, I sit more upright and I lengthen my leg. And for me, I take my legs away a little bit. For other people, they might add a little leg in order to go forward. So I try to be super clear every day that I am training a specific aiding system for forward and back. Yeah. Does that and make this sense? is the same in the Grand Prix. Absolutely. Right. There's five mm-hmm. steps in the Grand Prix. It's the same thing in yep. Yep. back trot out. So this is yep. not something that's going away if it doesn't go well, like it's, it's in there now. It's not in the right. intro too, but it's in the Grand Prix. So you gotta be, you gotta be ready this and do it. Yeah. yeah. This is a little bit similar to our discussion about a straight center line halt. I mean, this mm-hmm. is not, your horse does not need to be fancy to do this correctly. Nope. It's, Correct. it's, yeah. it's more of an obedience question. And yeah, some horses are, can be a little bit more active and depending on their conformation, they can have a little bit more of their correct shape. Um, but they should be lower, lowering the croup and maintaining the pole at the same height. What you see a lot, what you see a lot is a lowering of the pole and a lifting of the croup, mm-hmm. even in Grand Prix. Yeah. And that yeah. Is, just I've written a few the of those. Opposite of what you yes. should be trying to do. Right, right. And an you opening know, of the mouth. You can train Always it. Attractive. You can help the horse from the ground. You can, you know, but when when the horse lowers his head, you know what you're telling the judges? I'm pulling. I'm pulling. I my horse does not is not obediently reining back from my seat and my legs. My horse my horse needs contact to go backwards. And right. it's just it's it's a little frustrating. It's a little frustrating right. to watch because it's a training question. It's it's a easy obedience question. It's just you have to have the right idea about how to train it. You should watch some videos and know what's good, what's bad. Have a good picture in your mind. Use uh, use a friend on the ground with some with with uh, with a phone. No excuses. You know, the, 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 I just think it's just so important the shape of the horse and the rein back, and, and engages the horse and and commits to the correct training. Mm-hmm. So. I think that's, yeah, I think that's super interesting. I also, so let's talk a little bit about, again, and we've talked about this briefly before, but about methods of training rein back, particularly if a horse, you know, if a horse isn't in diagonal pairs, if a horse isn't coming back easily. I mean, again, I think, you know, we are, we should be committed to giving our horses clear understandings. I think that comes from a consistent aiding system, but in the rein back, I'm with you. It does help you know, when you're, when you're teaching a baby horse to rein back, something I always forget to do until they're at second level, but I'm committed to not forgetting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it does help to have someone on the ground. 
and mm-hmm. to just touch the, the touch them with a finger on their chest. And they go, oh, it does help to do, and this is the way Conrad taught, taught us, right? It does help to do a turn on the forehand. Let's say you're going away from your left leg. The haunches are going towards the right. They're coming into your right rein, and then you rein back from diagonal from your diagonal aids. And again, you just need to give the horse, because sometimes they do grow roots, right? And what you don't want to do is to say, I'm going to hurt your mouth when that happens. Like, that's not the right answer. I think the right answer in schooling is to walk off, rehalt, and then, and again, maybe you do it off the rail in schooling. And then if you can move them sideways, as opposed to, you know, again, just move their haunches a little and their turn on the forehand, and then ask them to back. Because I think, again, the more you use your hands, the more, you know, A, they can open their mouth, you know, and tell on you to some extent and should be telling on you. But also, I think you lose the diagonal pairs in a lot, for a lot mm-hmm. of horses. Mm-hmm. Does that make Do, you, do yeah. either of you guys have, I mean, I certainly remember being taught to help a horse back up by backing either up or down a hill. That yeah, seems that, that helps too. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. but I'm with I'm with everybody. I mean, it's actually considered a non-brilliant movement. So it's just an obedience question. So you really like center lines, rain backs, walk pirouettes. These are the things where you they literally will suck points away from you and you you shouldn't lose points on those particular things. So Right. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so, I think it just takes it's a little bit of a strategy a strategy thing, you know. I have encountered lots of horses who are, you know, can be a little bit tough to teach the rain back. So maybe you need some extra treats or, you know, something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A verbal cue. Mm-hmm. A verbal yeah. cue is great. You can do a verbal cue at, at this one. Well, no, you're at C. No, so. you can't. No, but mm-hmm. just to get the, get the horse. The yeah. Right oh, idea. I'm sorry. Yeah. Just to get the yeah, right just idea. Just to get the horse I mean, confident. I, yeah. yeah it's, and, and, and I like to use it in my warm up. you know, like mm-hmm. just pick up the, you know, you're warming up, you're in walk. After you've let the horse had a bit of a stretch or whatever in the walk, and then I just sort of quietly halt. Do I have a bit of a rain bag before I even get going here, or or, or what what have I got? Right, you know, it can be a daily practice thing. It's, yes, you know, it's just. People I do rain backs a lot. Every well, just to also check, yeah, or at least oh, halts. Yeah, just to make sure. Can they do it? at any point. Yeah. So, I mean, not with a, not with a four-year-old, but yeah, with the, with the big horses, I also think good it's for good you. for them to put their haunches down and pick their shoulders up. I mean, I think there's a lot of uses for rain back. Yeah. Um, Have yeah. you ever in schooling a rain back, like held your whip on top of their haunch a little bit? I'm not saying even tap them, or certainly not hit them, but to ask them to lower in the process mm-hmm. of the rain back. Have you ever used a dressage whip on top of their haunches for that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've also yeah, touched them on the shoulder. Yeah, it's a little bit different horses. Of, mm-hmm. uh, if yeah, they want to follow out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've also, in the training, gone forward walk just directly to rain back. You know, sort yeah, of mm-hmm. eliminated the hall. Just it, It's very, yeah, I mean, it can be a little tricky, but it's just yeah. depending on the horse. Um, what I really love is that I think they, they just took it out, that 4-3 movement. The, you know, what, the, what do they call it in German? Schalkel. 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 Yeah, I I come from the day when the Grand Prix had a shackle. Yeah, I had a shackle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a super. It was a super hard movement, and it was a super impressive movement. And I actually thought it looked cool. And, and Patty, it was, it was four cool. back, back four, forward four, back four. Yeah. Out. Gosh, I mm-hmm. think it was wasn't uh, it back, back six four, forwards four, four back four something. Like yeah, that. it's been a long think, time, but it was in there. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was six six four. I forget. 
No, no. Um, well, well, in the Grand Prix, I don't know, but in four three yeah. that they just eliminated was back four forward yeah. four. Back. You know, so yeah. that is that's just really a super cool movement. Written yeah, correctly, it helps the horse so much with just mm-hmm. with this lowering and the swinging and the and the obedience and yeah, I, I love that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. really good. So, so ravex are important. That's where we're going with Raybacks this. Ravex important. Yes, <laughs> and, and and we're talking about schooling. So okay, so going back to riding the test. So you've yeah. done your walk. You've done your extended walk. You have your horse's butt squarely towards the judge between you know just between B and P. And then you go to your collected canter on the right lead. By the way, and, have and you real noticed quick, that Patty, almost there always is you that do it left weird lead? turn. Right, Patty, there's yes, that, that weird turn in the walk. Yeah, that's a super walk. sharp turn. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. I don't think that ride's great, I have to say. I don't think it's like a hard schooling thing, but it's weird to ride. So so basically, you do collected walk at R. You go medium trot to collected walk, which is something, again, you should school. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it rides okay if you school it. But you do do medium mm-hmm. trot K to R and then R collected walk. Then you walk R M G H, and then you make a sh- super sharp turn. It's like they forgot where you were supposed to go, and you have to go. <laughs> there, then you have to go from H to B, and then you're going on to P. But it's right. t- it's super tight. It's like mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, so you, it's really odd. Cause, yeah. and, and it's hard to figure out how, I mean, I use that turn to get the transition to, to an extended walk, but it's actually yeah. sort of hard to do because it's such a tight turn. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's worth say, looking at it, if you're doing it. Yeah. So, but to me, the next kind of legitimately difficult thing is that canter transition for two reasons. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've done tons of walk canters by now. Every single one has been on the left lead until now. Um, yeah. <laughs> now you're kind of on the right lead, which is, you know, I think good but odd that so many have been on the left mm-hmm. and you are absolutely where the judge can see whether you're straight. So to me in that distance between B and P. So as you're just as you, cause you collect for just a moment before P and you canter, I would collect and shoulder four and <laughs> make sure that yep. that transition is straight. And partially because that's also going to prepare you for the zigzag. And okay. I think, again, I think that's more, being intelligent about test riding, then, you know, by this time, your horse better be able to pick up a canter from a walk. Well, we hope you're really enjoying the discussion about Intermediate One. We're going to have a quick commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, a fantastic company. So please take a listen and feel free to contact them. They will help you with all your supplement needs. Each week, you carefully plan out your horse's training schedule. You work with your trainer to fine-tune his flat work. You school through grids to perfect his jump and set up multiple courses to educate your eye. You enjoy long hacks to keep his mind fresh and body strong. Show day arrives. You take a deep breath as you enter the ring. We've got this, you whisper so only he can hear you. You move as one, sailing over each element in perfect harmony. The feeling you get when it all clicks. It's why we do what we do. This feeling is brought to you by Joint Armor. Joint Armor's complete formula provides your horse with the nutrients necessary to support healthy joints throughout his lifetime. Joint Armor maintains fluid motion and flexibility in hardworking joints. It supports normal cartilage development and reduces joint deterioration. Joint Armor provides high levels of both glucosamine and chondroitin, plus 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid. 
Best of all, Joint Armor is affordable. One small jar lasts up to 75 days. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. So we're going to continue this interview with Patty Mayer on Intermediary One. Now the zigzag. So let me read it and then we should chat about it. So A down center line, between D and G, you are going to do three half passes, five meters to either side of the center line with flying changes of leg at each change of direction, starting and ending to the right. And then a G, you do a flying change of leg and a T, you track left. That is a super complex way of saying, come down the center line on the right lead, half pass to the quarter line, change lead, half pass to the other quarter line, change lead, half pass to the center line. Change lead. <laughs> and change lead and track left. Mm-hmm. Here's how, let me tell you how I think it should be strategically ridden and and again, this is sort of, I don't think we talked about this when we were at St. George or even fourth level. So if you're coming down the center line at A on the right lead, at I would come shoulder four between A and D. Then I would aim my horse as though it's going to, essentially as though it's going to P, but you're not going to make it to P, right? And mm-hmm. you half pass to the quarter line. I here's what I do. I do straighten change. And then I, and that change of lead starts me over to the next thing. But you can, if you're really much more clever than I am, you can do change of bend, change of lead. Um, and then you have past the other quarter line. I try to make that centered over X. So essentially I think about it as though I'm going from essentially towards S. Yeah. Essentially towards S and the quarter line in front of S. Yeah. I then I straighten change, but again, you could potentially change, you know, bend to the right if you're smarter than I am. And then I go towards, then I go to G and then I straighten, look at the judge and do that flying change at G. Mm-hmm. It actually at G, rides not in the turn, at, not in the turn at <laughs> G before the turn. Um, so to me, the thing that helps me center this is I come down the center line from D. I am looking at P ride to the quarter line, do the change. Then I am looking at S, and that gets me centered on X, get to the quarter line, do the change, and I want to make sure I'm back on the center line a tiny bit before G to make that change at G. That I don't want to run out of room for. So, again, just in terms of ride, test riding, I think that's – at least that's the way that works for me. Does that make sense to both of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Uh, to I mean, me. I, I kind of like to count strides a little bit, but. Uh, Ooh, Phil's getting wild. You're fancy. Okay, yeah. Phil, talk to us about how you do it. You know, I basically know that to get to the quarter line, it's about four strides. So four strides over, straight stride so four, change. Eight, eight, four. eight strides, no, four, yeah. Eight, four. eight strides over, straight change, and then four strides back to the center line. So um, that sort of mm-hmm. that sort of sets up kind of the idea that you're you're going to work to the Grand Prix in which, you know, you've got to count some strides and your half passes. But I think the critical thing here is actually shoulder control. Yeah. I see, you know, so much Uh in this test is just the the riders just driving their, the horse's hind legs this way, that way, this way, that way, this way, that way. And it's, it's also a little bit of an inebriated movement, which I'm going to use that now. All the I know. time. So, <laughs> should have coined it. Should have coined like, it. Should have coined it. it now. Fill apart um, right there. You, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just like Patty said, you got to point the shoulders into your half pass, make a change, point your shoulders into that half pass. You know, it's you got to have the horse in control in front of you 
before you start worrying about what their hind legs are doing. Oh yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I was actually, in fact, this is a good, okay. A good training anecdote. I'm, I have a student who is just a lovely, lovely rider, uh, but half passes the canter are not new to her, but she's just kind of getting used to them. And she tends to think I need to go more sideways and then push the haunches sideways. Here's a big surprise. That means they can't go as much sideways. You know, right. don't do that. Like the haunches shouldn't lead just in general. We, that's not the right thing. And then in, in addition, you're defeating yourself because the horse actually physically can't go as far sideways. If their mm-hmm. shoulders leading, it all is beautiful and you can keep that shoulder so nice and high and pretty. Mm-hmm. And you can and you can ride them a little more forward. And one of the things they talk about in this is quality of canter, uniformity of bend, collection balance, fluency from side to side. Mm-hmm. And fluency. you're gonna have a side and you're gonna have a side that's easier and then you're gonna have a sticky side. Mm-hmm. So you better know yeah, it before you go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think if you ride the shoulders up and forward and think essentially shoulder four throughout, I think you it I think you get the best result until you get super fancy and really can do beautiful, beautiful yeah, fancy yeah, changes and, of band. Yeah. And some writers, I just make them do it as, you know, as diagonals. You're just going to point yeah. the horse at this diagonal. Don't worry about half pass. Eliminate <laughs> the idea of half pass oh. out of your head because you're, it's not necessary. Just go on this diagonal, make a change, go on that diagonal, make a change, go back on that diagonal. You'll be fine because you'll get to your spots. This is just so critical to be at the right place at the right time because you are going to run out of room if you're too busy pushing Mm -hmm. a horse sideways and the horse isn't going sideways. So just ride it like one, two, three diagonals and then you can sort of figure out how to make the half pass happen. But um, That's an interesting, that's a beautiful way to teach someone to school it. I think that totally makes sense to, to, uh, to kind of break it down between the geometry of the movement yeah. And the fact of the half mm-hmm. pass, right? Yeah, that, that, I mean, sense. again, we we've talked about this that the half pass is only, you know, riding Traver on a diagonal line, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. let's just exactly. ride the diagonal lines first, and we'll figure out the Traver <laughs> and then later. Figure it out. Yeah. I love it. That's a good like way to it. put it. That's I love yeah, it. So, yeah. so we finished the zigzag, which, as everyone can tell, it is it is the hardest thing, arguably, also in the Grand Prix. Like it is wicked hard. So yeah. we finished the zigzag. We get a, a little breather. In the extended canter, then, haha, we then are going for five three, which mm-hmm. again should be a little breather for you. This this is uh, five three We've time done changes. Before. We yeah. we did them in in pre Saint George and in fourth level. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. then we get to the full pirouettes. Haha. Right. Welcome back to okay. the intermediate one. Mm-hmm. This right. is hard. So so here's and again I'd love you guys can tell me how you guys do this. So the the full pirouettes are on a diagonal from H to B and you do the pirouette the first one you do to the left at I. So what I tend to do is again I try to come around that corner I think shoulder 4 and then we'll talk about this as schooling it that I think shoulder 4 I actually aim to before B so a little to the left of B as I'm looking at it because I'm going to need to do a flying change of leg at B, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to get there a little bit early. Um I also think for whatever reason on every horse I've ever ridden, the second pirouette is not as good. So I want to give myself a little bit extra time. So the pirouette that comes right after that change, I find a little harder for the horses. So I want to give myself a little extra time for the second one. So this is the first time you're doing a full pirouette and, and it can't be a working pirouette. It actually has to be a pirouette. Um, 
and it really should be the correct number of strides, which is six to eight, right? Uh, preferably right. six or eight, because you want to be even on both sides. I school that in the beginning by doing both with my students and with my horses by doing two halves. By the way, I did that at the Grand Prix too. So I tried to do it on this on the line. I'll do a half a pirouette, canter forward, and another half a pirouette. I might even do a quarter pirouette, canter forward, a quarter pirouette, canter forward. Mm-hmm. Another. I don't need to do. I never think of the of a pirouette as a thing. A pirouette isn't a thing. It is a series of strides. Each stride needs to be ridden with its own purpose and to help the horse balance and be through. So to me, that first stride is on the spot. I think about it at least on the spot. The first stride is straight. The second stride turns a little bit. The third stride turns a little bit more. So the, the, the length of the strides, not behind but in front, gets bigger each, each part of the turn, each stride in the turn, so that you come out forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, and, that, and straight, because if right. not, you come out crooked. Well, and I think I I love the way that you just said, I think of each stride as an individual stride. And I think that that's really an important concept because actually it it sort of depends on their horse, right? Some horses I'm going to come in on the line and I know I'm going to have to make my first, second, and maybe third stride quite small because the horses want to get big. But I have some yeah. horses that you come in the other way. You know, it just depends on the horse right. and, and how schooled they are. And, and I would say typically my younger type horses, they need to be smaller because as they turn, they're going to get bigger. So, you know, if I can come in on the spot and, and, and I will say in general, working on a radius, like I try now, um, you know, my horses have to go straight. They have to collect and then they have to turn. I have not done as much in, in my later years of working pirouettes because I know at the end of the day, I got to come straight, turn straight. So right. for me, you know, I, I train like I'm going to make two small steps maybe. And then maybe I push them out in training and then I come back with two small steps so that I know what the length of stride is going to be as I have to make the eight steps or the or the well, six steps depending on what I'm doing. So I try to have that control. Like, well, and if you have a horse like my horse who sits too much, right. that works for them as well, right? So so you do a stride, two strides. Maybe you can't forward straight a stride, another two strides. Can't forward straight a stride to keep him from putting his hind legs underneath his eyeballs, and and then he just gets stuck because that's you know that's no fun. Uh, so I think that that sense of always being able to come forward also to me, you know, some horse, I mean, horses do a bunch of different weird things in the pirouettes, right? Just like in a walk pirouette, they can do a turn on the middle in a canter pirouette. Who knew they can be pushing their haunches out, out one way while their shoulders going the opposite direction. That cannot happen in a pirouette essentially ever, but certainly can't happen at a horse show at this level. So you need to always know that they can go forward and that they don't push into your outside leg. We've talked about this before as being, you know, with having doing this as a walk pirouette, super helpful, or at least schooling mm-hmm. the walk to the canter. I think in schooling, you can absolutely think about, do I bend in the correct direction or can I, is counterflexing going to help this moment for this horse? 
um, you know, it's going to help its balance. It's going to help him go sideways a little, or, you know, move his forehand a little bit more. Can I, should I ride it a little deep? Should I ride it a little up? I feel like I don't have a good pirouette until after the first step, I can shove both my hands on the horse's ears and continue around with my feet. But I don't get there by starting that way, right? Until, until they, you know, I, I want to be able to ride a horse a little bit deeper, a little bit higher, a little bit more forward, a little bit faster, a little bit slower, depending on what's happening each stride. Right. And to me, right. you need to get that level of control. And the only way to do that is to practice each stride separately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, so, you know, and some horses, as we know, spin like, you know, like they're after a cow. Like that's not good for our sport. Wrong, wrong sport, right? Wrong not a bad sport. thing, just the wrong sport. And again, you always have to be able to move forward. They have to be coming forward into a soft contact. Yeah. Phil, you've been quiet. What, what do you got? I, this is all great. I mean, I think in general, you want to start your pirouette small and work your way bigger so that your inside leg is the driving leg. That's mm-hmm. uh, so many people are way on the outside of their horse. And then the horse does changes and fun stuff like that, which is also <laughs> incorrect. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you start small and get bigger, you're using it's You're just naturally going to be driving your inside leg on a little bit more. I think what really helps uh, in doing full pirouettes is being able to counter canter a 10 meter circle, at least a 10, if not eight, to work on your horse's oh. hind leg strength and, and turnability and, you know, so that uh, they just are used to being really handy in the canter. They have to be handy to make a pirouette. So they have to be turnable, balanced, active, you know, all these great all these great things. I think yeah. the, they and also eliminated this in four. Work. They eliminated it in four mm-hmm. three, and I think that's also a problem. You know, because I, I, you know, do a canter figure eight. No, it's uh, in the four three. Oh. Are smaller, yeah. and you know, you're, that's going to help your. That's going to help your canter. And it's going to help your pirouettes as well. So. It's in the canter. I mean, it's in the four three. Phil, the the S curve. Yeah. There's yeah. an S curve, yeah, and it's oh, also in the developing yeah. pre Saint George. So it yeah. it's still around. Oh. In, okay, good. It's still around, and it's yeah. still hard. It's still it's so hard. Very hard. Never, yeah. It didn't stop being take it out. Yeah. It's hard You're for right. a reason. And I think that reason yeah. is, is, you know, laying the groundwork for um, some really hard stuff. And then, you know, what, what I'm always trying to do is trying to do exercises to make my horses handier. And then when we ask the big questions of them, it's not quite so hard. And they're, yeah. and they're a little bit, you know, easier to teach this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 No, I love it. Well, the other thing we have um, that comes out after this, so you now have done your, your basically, I call it a V, of your pirouettes on the center line, both directions. Then you come and you have seven two-time changes. This Ooh. is a big one, too. Yes. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> seven so, twos. So here's, here's, my, here's my thought on twos, and in fact, on all of these tempies. When you're riding them in the arena, and I, in my personal opinion, when you're schooling them, when you're teaching them, you look across the arena, and you, your eyeballs and your chin is, are staring at that far letter. So if it's FXH, which it is for the twos, your chin and your eyeballs are looking at H, and, and you are not going to move your upper body or throw your horse from side to side. Because if you're doing it in the twos, you're in trouble. If you're doing it in the ones, you are in deep deep doo-doo <laughs> really so doo-doo. really deep doo-doo in an ideal world in again sh- a showmanship world i think those two should be done by some somewhere between a collective and a medium canner mm-hmm. so you know they can be big they can be expressive it's it becomes super easy for the horses to do after a while but to start 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to start, yeah. I think you start conservatively, but sure. I do think you start. But I think you start straight. I don't think you start at this level by by throwing them side to side. I mean, there maybe when you've got oh, no. a single flying change at the beginning. Yeah. So to me, with all of these tempi changes, but particularly when you get down to a number of twos and a number of ones, if you do two twos and canter forward 10 strides, and let's say you're on the quarter line, you do two twos, canter forward four or five strides, do another two twos, and then you, instead of cantering forward five strides, you're in canter forward three strides, you do two twos or three twos, canter forward. And again, I like using the quarter line for these things because you have a a nice distance. I like using the diagonal lines for this. So you, as you're training your horse, I think instead of potentially, you know, using too much aid, throwing them to side, whatever, you are just going to do fewer of them and take a yeah. break with a couple of canter steps and do a few more. And yeah. I think that's the way to teach the twos. And again, horses love these, like this yeah. is super fun and they end up doing them beautifully and it becomes like play for them, I think. Yeah, I think the twos are super fun. I think they're the I think they're the most fun. Actually, changes they're they're really quite fun. Um, yeah, they're super pretty to watch. It's impressive. To, you know, you impress your neighbors, and <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's so true. for me with with all of these tempes, and again, it's why I like fourth level so much, right? Because you you do three fours and three threes, and then you up them a little bit for Saint George, but three you're know, like oh, you have extra time to canter before and after, and you know, this, you don't have, you know, there are seven of them. That's a fair number. But when you school them, when you teach them, I think you teach two, two twos, three twos, four twos. And if it takes, you know, a couple of weeks or a month or so, who cares? It's yeah. fine. Yeah, it's fine. It, it is fine. Yeah, for sure. And then I think the final question in the inter one that's really difficult is the canter trot transition at sea. <laughs> because it is mean. It is mean. It is. You have not seen a canter trot since first level. And it's brought back right before the judge. It will also be there in the Grand Prix. And it's so many people, and I'm raising my hand, have missed that transition. And oh, yeah. that's and, his, and for And since time immemorial, right? Like that's always yeah. been. The minute you get a horse in a collected canter, to go from a collected canter to a trot is incredibly difficult. Here's how I tell, here's what I say to students. I say, let them fall into the trot. Because if you (laughs) collect them into the trot, congratulations, you're now cantering on the spot, which we talked about. On the spot, right in front of the judge. Right in front of the judge, and and they've got nothing to do. So I I feel super strongly that as you're coming around that corner, you do not collect them to do to do the trot transition. You actually allow them to head a little bit less collected. I'm not going to say in a working canter, but a little bit less collected so that they can trot. The more you collect them, the more you're preventing their body from doing it. Yeah. And yeah. You know, they need to be pushing into your hand a tiny bit if they get too light. Because again, here's the other way to do it. You can just go... And maybe, and they'll trot, right? Or, but you're right in front of the judge. So you better be doing that super, super quietly. <laughs> but I think that hard. No, it's it's yeah. very true. And, and Just that's do a little cough. Yeah. Just train that. Train a cough. I've, I've seen people do it, actually, on a horse that hasn't trotted. <laughs> so, right, did I give away your secret? Yeah, you gave away the secret. Way to go, Phil. <laughs> no, I, I'm saying I, I've done it. Not gonna lie, but no, it's very true. Well, um, 
Well, as always, Patty, the intermediate one, uh, it is it is a complicated test, but uh, it's really setting the groundwork also for the Grand Prix. And uh, and we can't thank you enough. We're having such a blast with this segment. And how can our Yay. listeners find you online uh, to connect with you? Oh, awesome. So um, I am easy to fairly easy to find on Facebook. My name is Patty, P-A-T-T-Y, Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R. I also have a stable, which I call Bailiwick House. B-A-I-L-I-W-I-C-K-H-O-U-S-E, two words. And I have an email, which is bailiwickhouse at gmail.com. And, and I have a telephone. My God, and I take text, 310-729-3365. There you go. Awesome. Well, Patty, we got, we got another big test coming up in the, in the inter two, but we'll digest the intermediate one first. So thank you so well, much or for we'll, your or time. We'll try inter, or we'll try inter A and B, depending on how really detailed you want to get. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no. Horrible. Exactly. Horrible. Ooh, we're all like, <laughs> uh, yeah, not. Okay. Talk to you later. Well, thank Bye. you, Patty. Have a good one. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye. Well, Phil, I'm not going to lie. This week we had a horse. He's been in my in my training program for a long time, and he came actually back. He was he went to his farm for the winter and a little vacation. So he's back, and I looked at the stirrup leathers, and I was like, Mm-mm, I need the stability stirrup leathers from Total Saddle. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I ordered I'm not some. In those old old style. Yeah, I ain't doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> true it's true i i i i uh we got we got the we got the total saddle that stability stirrup leathers i love them that much and we truly use these and anytime i even remotely see a saddle without them i'm like Mm-mm, no mama's not riding in those <laughs> i'm not getting pinched in my thighs and all of that <laughs> i want my leg longer and quieter so uh we love these stirrup leathers they're the best yeah th- that's awesome reese <laughs> I, was like, mm, I always have a little no. joke that, that Reese is a bit of a princess, but the, the, <laughs> I, this is another more, a little bit more evidence. But it's true, I, mean, I can handle it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's fair. It's fair. Like, there's no reason to to do an hour's worth of training on a horse and and just not feeling as comfortable as you know you should. Exactly. Exactly. It, that's so what it true. comes down to these days, right? Yeah, it's true. It's like, no, no, uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. They're so worth the money and, and they really are something that helps you. And, and, um, very rarely has there been a tack that comes out that can really help every rider. And this is one of those items. And so we love the stability stirrups from total saddle fit. Justin at total saddle fit is fantastic. And you can find all their products, their stirrup leathers, their girths at totalsaddlefit.com. And we hope you enjoy them. So Bill, we have a fantastic Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week from personal trainer Emily Green. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, for tonight's Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week, I am so happy to have equestrian personal trainer and new student of mine, Emily Green. Emily, welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you, Reese. How are you? I am great. Well, we had a fantastic lesson last night after I had to convince you. I mean, there was a little bit of nerves starting with a new coach, but Mm -hmm. I convinced you. And I'm so glad I did. You did so Me great. Too. Thank you. It was a freaking blast. I love it. Love it. Love it. We have to do it again very soon. Done. So Emily, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Um, well, I am a mom, a wife, an equestrian. Um, obviously horses are my passion. Aren't they all of ours? Um, Mm -hmm. and I have a passion for fitness. So I have kind of found a little niche where I can make those two meet, which is amazing. I'm originally from South Florida, Boca Raton. If anybody's familiar with that, Lexington four years ago and absolutely love it. Yeah. Fantastic. And you have the most precious horse. Tell us about your horse. Oh, Roman. (laughs) So Roman and I met at like end of November of 2019. He is now four years old. He's a little baby off track thoroughbred. uh, And his name is Roman because he has a Roman nose. His his face is certainly special. It's Roman and Rye. So uh, quite the looker. (laughs) Oh, he is so cute though. And sweet. Oh, he's so sweet. Yes. I love it. So how did you get into personal training? How did you do that? Uh, well, actually, um, I come from a medical family. My nurse or my mother is a nurse. My father's an ER physician. Um, so for me growing up with that, I always was really, you know, had the urge to do something where I would be helping people. So medicine was kind of in the forefront But then I kind of started thinking, well, how can I help people before they get to the point where they need medicinal help, like a doctor or whatever, right? So I'm Mm -hmm. like, how can we kind of nip some things in the bud? So I figure personal training, you know, getting everybody going with their health and fitness and diet is the best way to make a healthy lifestyle to kind of avoid maybe needing some medicinal stuff in the future. It's true. It's very true. Mm -hmm. So. Yesterday, we had our first lesson, which we had a blast, and we had a breakthrough together, which was really cool, because you come from a hunter-jumper background, right? Yeah, so I started, I'll be 32 in a couple weeks, and started riding at 12, and got into the hunter world, then got into show jumping and equitation after that, so yeah, 2020 has been actually the first year I've done any dressage training at all. Got it. Got it. And yesterday we were really working on connection, right? Cause that's, that's a, a, a tricky part of kind of transitioning from the hunter world to dressage. So yes. yep. let's talk about our breakthrough. Cause this was really helpful. Yeah. So it was awesome. So, um, we started off, you know, going to which way were we going to the right? So yes. that is my strong side. It also happens to be little Roman strong side as well. Um, and we didn't quite realize why until we got to the other side. And then I remember I started telling you, man, it's just something feels so funky with my right side. When I need to use that right outside rain as my aid, it just, something feels off. So that's when you decided to make that great, like call the cue out to me of elbow. So every time you would call out and make me aware of that right elbow, as I'm going to the left, we're talking about my right outside rain still. So as I'm going to the left, you yell out elbow every time it gets a little out from me and wonky. So being a personal trainer and, you know, being into fitness, working out, I kind of have a leg up, so to speak, no fun intended, kind of making mind muscle connections a little quicker at this point in my life. Hasn't always been that way. Let me put that out there. But now, fortunately, here we are. 
So as you're telling me elbow, what I was doing is thinking in my head, man, every time she says that, what is my body doing? Where am I feeling something either tight or off or what the heck is it? And finally I realized, wow, like my right pec is very tight. So it's causing my shoulder to roll in, which is then causing my hip to cave in because we know all of our joints are connected also making my elbow fly out there into outer space. Mm-hmm. So once we realized that the issue was kind of tight pec rolling shoulder forward, I was able to focus on opening that up and we were able to make a little breakthrough and have a lot of progress. Yes. With connection for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All and right. Alignment. Well, it's time for me to jump in here. Go for I it. I haven't got a chance to talk very much. <laughs> Sorry, it happens to you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I just have a question because I do notice this quite a lot in students coming from the hunter-jumper world. Can it also be because you're sort of over-rotating your torso kind of because, uh, you know, from the jumper world or from the hunters, you're always kind of looking around trying to spot your next fence. Sure. Yeah. And I absolutely think that that is an obstacle that, you know, we hunter riders coming into dressage do face just because that is kind of a different style of riding. It's a different position. We worked on that too. It's more, you know, you hear the term hunter bunny, so mm-hmm. it's more of that kind of up in your seat position, lighter. It's it's not really the same. So yes, I do think that that is definitely a factor. And just and just looking a little bit too far around a turn, or you know, you're just you're spotting, you're trying to spot your line, but you're not really staying on the line that you're that you already have. Sure, yeah, I, I, being too bendy with my body. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So that, that's something that's something I've noticed and is quite common is like, no, no, you don't have to look that far around. Like, you know, some, <laughs> yeah. at, at some points you're almost looking back because, you know, you're coming up to a corner and you're, you know, almost looking all the way around because your next fence is is almost behind you kind of thing. And that's something that that, uh, you know, as a dressage rider, we have to really ride each corner you know, and then look across Mm. the short side, for instance, and then ride that next corner and then look down the next long side instead of just going, okay, well, those two corners are going to happen anyways. And I'm just going to look toward, towards the next long side, for instance, or, you know, towards, you know, too far around and not, you know, not staying in the moment enough. Absolutely. And we, we actually, Reese showed me a great, uh, up routine that she has her students do, Um, And it's awesome because we're at the beginner novice level. So it is kind of similar to the beginner novice test kind of has some of the same, you know, those great 20 meter circles. Yay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're hard. We we absolutely ran into that too. Cause for me, you know, coming from the hunter world, it's, I want to look, look, look and anticipate. And it's almost take it back a notch, stay centered, focus on your alignment and it will all kind of flow from there. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it yeah, does. Absolutely. And yeah. so, so we were working on this. And then at the end of the lesson, we, you know, then you're like, Hey, I have a really good exercise for this. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, bring it. Cause you know, we've been, <laughs> we've been working as a community. Uh, we all did the dressage rider training program and some are moving on to the next, next one. But you know, us as riders, we can always, we always need to get stronger and, and oh, yes. work 
So, so tell us, tell us about the exercise. So this exercise is one of my favorites because especially for me as an equestrian, one of the things that I, I'm not going to say suffer from because, you know, we can fix these things. So a challenge (laughs) that I face is an opportunity for improvement, if you will, is something called upper cross syndrome. And a lot of us, we just have this in life, right? A lot of us have desk jobs. We're on our phones all the time. We're hunched over. So what happens when we keep our bodies in these positions is my chest is going to get very tight. My mid back is going to become very weak because I'm not using those muscles to hold myself up straight. Cause let's be honest, are we sitting in perfect dressage posture in our office chairs? Probably not. Probably not. Right? <laughs> I just scooched back. I was like, I know, oh, right? Did you I'm in an office check? chair. I was like, Oh, Emily's yelling at us right now. <laughs> sit up tall. Everyone oh, sit up be, tall. <laughs> be glad this isn't on video. So <laughs> <laughs> true. Very true. So something clicked in my head and there is a phenomenal exercise um, that I love to do to kind of combat this upper cross syndrome. So this exercise involves one of those resistance tubes. So there'll be a handle on each side and it's a long tube made out of rubber, stretchy, all that good stuff. They're super affordable, easy to get, throw in your home gym and a little dingle donger. You can see if we throw the video up on Facebook after this, that slides in your door. It's awesome. So after we have all that, this exercise forces you to engage your lats, relax your shoulders, and then you'll do a pulling motion. That's almost like a row. So think of like, if you're ever in a gym and you do a cable row or if you're sitting in the saddle and you're holding the reins, kind of like that same idea, right? Mm-hmm. So this exercise is going to force me to engage my lats. My shoulders are relaxed. I'm going to be forced to use my mid back to pull against that resistance. So strengthening my mid back, stretching out those pecs, which also we need to focus on too. But so that's what the exercise does. And it's amazing because this mid back strength is so important for our alignment as riders. It makes sense. I'm sitting here mm-hmm. sort of visualizing and, I, and, and we are going to work on getting this on the dressage radio show Facebook page because Emily did an amazing video for us uh, explaining so you can see it, but you can feel it even just sitting in a chair, how much you want to, and I'm a sloucher when I'm sitting in the chair, mm-hmm. I'm not paying attention on how much you need to use that part of your back and that you don't. So right. And it. for me, like, you know, coming from Hunterland, something I heard from my trainer growing up was shoulders back, shoulders back, chest out. So in my head, that was, okay, use my shoulders to wrench my shoulders back and stick that chest out. But no, no, relax Mm -hmm. those shoulders. Use your mid back to just pull yourself up and have that nice, strong posture. And and how many reps would you do, especially if you're just starting out and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. How many, how many do you start with? So I would start off pretty easy um, because this exercise looks so benign, but my goodness, does it sneak up on your butt so hard. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would say maybe start doing this three days a week, throw it in your exercise routine. You can add it as a resistance exercise, you know, with your other lifts, if that's what you're doing, or I even like to throw it into my warm up because it's really great for activating that mid back as well. So that when I go to do heavier weight work, I'm, I'm able to, and those muscles are working. But what I would recommend for somebody just starting out doing this exercise with that resistance band, let's do three days a week. 
you do three sets at a time and I would say eight to 10 reps. And obviously everybody has to judge their own, you know, physical ability at this point, just starting out. So whatever you're comfortable with eight to 10 reps, boom, you're good. Okay. Perfect. Well, fantastic. Well, Emily, Mm -hmm. we can't thank you enough. You know what? Our next lesson, we will come up with the next exercise to to give it to everyone, if that's okay. Oh, girl, I got you. (laughs) I love it. Well, we can't thank you enough. So, Emily, if any of our listeners have any question about some personal training, how could they find you online? So they can feel free to email me. My email is super easy, green.emily852 at yahoo.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. It is egreen88, super easy to find. And you'll see pictures of Roman all over the place and my cute little toddler and hubby. So (laughs) can't miss it. (laughs) I love it. Egreen88? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Well, fantastic. Well, we can't thank you enough and we look forward to our next session. Oh, thank you guys so much. It was my pleasure. Well, Phil, we're not kidding everybody. We love your emails and Facebook shout outs. They make us really, they make our day. Uh, and, and we really enjoy doing the show and we enjoy hearing from you and, and keep it up. We like it. Share, share, you know, we, we love our community and we want to keep it going. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down, your shoulders back, and please stay safe. And we look forward to talking with you next week. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.